Um, as we get started this morning, I just want to send to you greetings from uh, Patty and Heidi. Um, Patty and Heidi are in Uganda right now working with uh, Patty's sister and brother-in-law over there supporting their church and uh, just helping them. One of the things that we're praying about as a church is how maybe we can support that ministry over there. And so part of what Patty and Heidi are doing is they're doing a little, uh, not only are they serving, but they're also doing a little, you know, reconnaissance work. That might not be the right word, but they're just checking things out over there um, just to help us so that we can make some wise decisions. Uh have you ever uh, been in a relationship with somebody where you reach out to them and all of a sudden there's radio silence? I mean, they don't they don't respond back. So you you, you know, I I was thinking about this and I was thinking about a story um, in a in another life uh, when I was a little younger. I was uh, working at a church and I was doing part time at the church uh, teaching pastor and then. Part-time, they had a non-profit, so I was uh, managing this thrift store as they were going through some changes, and they asked me to come in and, and help them through those changes. And I kind of became the pastor of the people coming to the thrift store. And there was a gentleman, a young gentleman, came in one time, and he and I, we hit it off well, and, uh, and I was just, you know, really praying about how can I help this young man. And so... Uh, and he was willing for, you know, he needed help, he was willing to get help and all that kind of stuff. And then I reached out to him and there was nothing. And then a week or so later I reached out to him again and there was again nothing. And uh, pretty soon I, you know, you wait like a month and then you try out, try to reach out again and there was nothing um, and I, and I share that story because I think we all can say we probably have had that kind of experience where we have moved towards somebody and then that person doesn't respond. This Advent, as we think about our theme, which is Emmanuel, Emmanuel is God with us. This is God moving towards us, and we'll dive into that a little bit more later as we get. But my question for you, as we go through this today, Emmanuel, God with us, as God has moved towards you, what have you done? Have you moved towards Him? Have you moved away from Him? We, we know any relationship, whether it's a relationship between um, us and God or a relationship between each other, it takes two, right? It takes two moving towards each other. Terry and I, we do this thing, this marriage retreat, and we talk about the face-to-face, side-to-side, back-to-back, and God's intent for a man and a woman is to be face-to-face, one flesh. And what happens over time sometimes is all of a sudden the husband and wife will generally, they start, they start becoming side-to-side. They're still with each other, <clears throat> but they're, they're not with each other. And when things get really bad, it can get to the point where they're back-to-back, 
And they're not even in relationship anymore. And I think that happens for us with God sometimes. God has moved towards us. He has come near. He is with us. And he, uh, we, we turn. We begin to turn away. See, the, in a marriage, it can be both turning away. But in the relationship with God, there's only one that turns away. Advent is, the meaning of Advent is uh, arrival. Advent season is us remembering and celebrating the arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And this is tied to a way bigger story than just the story of a baby being born in the manger. It's a story of God. It's the story of God and His interaction in creation. It's the story of Emmanuel, God with us. And so uh, as we step into our service today, our, our message, I want to take a moment. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It's a familiar story. You probably have read it many times over the years during the Advent season. So you can either open up your Bible to Matthew 1.18 or you can follow along on the screen. Here is a part of Matthew's story regarding the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus as Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but uh, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Again, the story of the birth of Jesus is more than the story of a baby being born and laid in a manger. It is the story of God interacting with His creation. And so as we talk about this morning, there's three things that I want us to pay attention to from this passage and from this theme of Emmanuel. The first thing I want us to pay attention to is this. This is about God's pursuit of relationship. So from the garden all the way to the new heaven and the new earth, which we find in Revelation chapter 21, there's this one theme. The one theme is God 
dwelling with us. God moving towards us in His creation. It's God demonstrating His love for His creation, for us, and yearning for a relationship with us. It's God texting us. It's God calling us. It's God sending us email. Hey, I'm here. And when we get to the end of this service, the question will be, as I said earlier, um, how am I responding to God moving towards us? As I said, the story starts in the garden. If you remember the creation story, um, it, as, as we know and we believe here, God didn't just create and then go sit somewhere in this throne somewhere and just kind of watch from a distance. No, God created and then He participated in His creation. And even how He created and how He created us gives us a picture of God being intentional and being in relationship with us. Because we see from the creation story in Genesis 1 that we are created in the image of God. You bear the image of God. How did God create? Well, He took man, formed him in the dust, in the dirt, and then the, the story tells us that God blew His breath into that dirt-formed man, and that man came alive. So He had the breath of God within Him. And then we find out that He created woman by taking something from his side. We say rib because that makes sense to us. The Hebrew word is a little dicey in what that is, but so we, it's easy just to say rib. He took the rib, formed the woman, and gave her life. And so now we have a man and a woman, and God blessed them and gave them instructions and said, be fruitful, increase. Multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And still God didn't just walk away and go sit in His throne room. He came and He walked in the cool of the day, the story tells us. The cool is the Hebrew word ruach, which means breath. So the, what that is and what that looks like and what that experience was like in the garden, I, I don't know, but imagine this cool breeze in a garden and for the writer of Genesis in this story, that was God. The, the cool breeze. It was like a cool breeze coming through a garden. And Adam and Eve were there and God was with him. God was with them. So from the beginning, we see God dwelling with His creation. But then we know from the story that Adam and Eve, they uh, don't get to stay there too long. They ate from the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. And because of that, because they now had this knowledge of good and evil, God removed them from the garden, thus hindering the relationship between God and Adam and Eve. And because the relationship was broken between Adam and Eve and God, corruption and evil began to increase on the earth. 
And we see that through the story as uh, time goes on and more corruption increases. We know the story of Noah and the flood. But God still longs to be in relationship with His creation. And so a couple examples of this, there are many in the, in, in the Bible. And in fact, I encourage you sometimes just to read your Bible from that standpoint. Just noticing how God moves towards mankind. So he chose a man named Abraham, and he says, I will bless you and make you a great nation, and you will be a blessing to others. And so God was like, here, I'm going to pour myself into this man, bless him. He's going to become this great nation, and this great nation of his will be my way of demonstrating to the world that I am here, and I desire to be among them. And part of the story of this man and his family becoming a great nation as they eventually went to Egypt. It was a good thing for them to go to Egypt, but it wasn't the end point. Their going to Egypt was because there was a famine in the land and they needed food. And God, while they were there in Egypt, He blessed them and they multiplied like crazy to the point that those in charge... There was a new pharaoh, and those that were in charge, all of a sudden, they, they were like, whoa, these people are getting out of hand. we got to enslave them. And so they became enslaved, and then God removed them, took them out of them, saved them from that slavery, led them to the promised land through the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness that they began to... Uh, God began to lead them, and God dwelt among them. If you remember, they built a tent, a tent of meeting, and that's where God dwelt. And when there was a cloud that came on the tent, that means God was there. And then God would lead them by a pillar of fire or by a pillar of smoke, depending on whether it was day or night. But God dwelt among them and led them and moved them. Eventually, they got to the promised land, and eventually they had a king, King Solomon, who built a temple, and that became the dwelling place of God. There was a problem through this whole story. It's the same problem that Adam and Eve had. They began to turn their eyes away from God and follow other gods. God moved towards them, dwelt among them, and they eventually would turn their eyes away from God. But there's good news. God still moves towards His creation. God is still Emmanuel, and He brings His Son into the world. And so this pursuit of God moving towards us leads us to the second thing I want us to pay attention to, and that is this, the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. This is God's ultimate expression of His desire to be with us. Jesus, coming as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us. This incarnation, God becoming a physical being, um, is significant because at no point had God come in a physical form, but here He did. 
And as we see in Matthew, in the text we read earlier, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And the prophet is Isaiah. What is all of this? It's the story of the Messiah, the story of the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus to a virgin. God dwelling among us. God moving towards creation. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. As we read in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus as Messiah came about. He was... um, His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And it's interesting here in this verse, this is how the birth, the Greek word for birth is Genesis. Ironic, right? Greek word Genesis, that's where we get our English word birth. And that Genesis means the source of something. It can be translated genealogy or existence or as it is here, birth. We see the same Greek word in verse 1 of Matthew 1 where Uh, Matthew says this is the genealogy or the genesis. It's the origin story of Jesus. Matthew is telling us that this is how Jesus began. This is is his beginning of becoming becoming Emmanuel, God with us. And this is important for us because the more... I get to know the origin story of Jesus, the more I get to know my origin story. Because my origin story is that I'm an image bearer. I was created in the image of God. And Mary here, as we see in our text, she becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And here, let's reflect to Genesis, to the origin story. Genesis 1-1. What do we hear in Genesis 1-1? God created. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless. It was void. It was in darkness and in chaos. And what does the Scripture tell us in Genesis 1-1? The Spirit of God hovered over the deep, hovered over the waters. So the same way that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters in the Genesis story, and then God spoke and creation happened, so here the Holy Spirit hovers over, so to speak, Mary, and Jesus is created. Emmanuel, God with us. We saw in our text that Joseph was faithful to the law, which means he was a good conservative Christian. Okay, that was supposed to be a little more funnier than I thought it was supposed to be. The truth is, Joseph was very conservative and part of a very conservative culture. And so a a spouse was chosen for him by his parents, so Mary was chosen they, uh, so Mary would have probably been about 14. Joseph would have been a few years older, however long it took him to get money together for a dowry. There was a one-year betrothal period, engagement, but that engagement 
was like they were actually married. And so even if, when you, if you broke off that engagement, it was considered a divorce. But there was no consummation of that marriage until the wedding. So for Joseph to find out that his betrothed is pregnant is really bad. I mean, can you imagine that conversation between Mary and Joseph? Mary, uh, so Joe, I have a story to tell you. I'm pregnant. Now, you already know what, you, what Joseph is thinking, right? He's thinking, who? Who's the father? Seriously? We are engaged to be married, and you do this? But it tells us that he was faithful to the law, and yet Joseph was a man of character, and he wasn't going to parade her around and call her an adulterer. He was going to divorce her quietly. So then we see after he considered this, good thing the Lord stepped in, right? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream, uh, said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now again, for Joseph, I mean, imagine you having that dream. You just found out your bride-to-be is pregnant not because of you. And then you have a dream where an angel is saying, uh, don't worry, it's the Holy Spirit. That should cause lots of questions in your mind. At least it does for me. As we see in the story, she, the angel Lord says, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel is a compound word. Em is with. El at the end is God, so it's with God or God with us. And this is the story of Christmas. God with us. God doing whatever it took to move towards us. And so as we know from the story, Joseph does exactly what God wanted him to do. He wakes up. He took Mary home to be his wife. They didn't consummate the marriage. And she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. Now I love the message version of John 1.14 that tells us about this Jesus coming, Emmanuel. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-kind glory like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. I love that picture. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus being born, He moved into our neighborhood. He came to be with us. 
The Gospels then are a picture and in the story of God being with us from the calling of the disciples Emmanuel chooses ordinary people to follow him He didn't choose the Pharisees he didn't choose the religious leaders he chose fishermen and a tax collector and a doctor and a few other people Then, Jesus does more than dwell with us. He removes the barrier of us dwelling with Him by finishing the story. What we celebrate at Easter, His death and resurrection. So it's more than the birth. It's a big deal. He moved in. But the story continues to not only move in with us, he removes whatever barrier there might be for me to move towards him. In fact, in Hebrews, um, the writer of Hebrews says this, that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because God removed the barrier. All this is because of God's desire to be in relationship with us. That's what it's all about. But the story doesn't end there. And that leads us to the third thing I want us to pay attention to at Christmas time the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Here is the transition from God being with us to God being within us. Yes! So not only does God remove the barrier, He says, oh, by the way, here's my Holy Spirit. I'm just going to drop Him right in. Pentecost... The story of the Holy Spirit coming on the followers of Jesus after Jesus' death and resurrection is at the point where we transition from God being with the disciples to now Him being within them. The Holy Spirit is given to us. It symbolizes how much God desires an intimate, passionate relationship with each one of us. The Holy Spirit is in us to guide us and comfort us and empower us and to be in communion with us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. It's Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in me when I repent and confess my sins. When I say I was wrong, Jesus, I desire to follow you Boom! The Holy Spirit comes in. John 14 says this about the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. 
forever. Forever. Advocate, helper, intercessor. It's a legal term of somebody coming in and pleading the case before the judge. This person is innocent. That, that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is in us and is an advocate for us to the Father. This is, it's a seal. It's the mark. It's the way of saying, hey, this one belongs to you because of what Jesus did. Jesus came in, moved into the neighborhood. Father, you remember that story? Jesus coming into the neighborhood, dwelling amongst the people, dying, rising again. You, you gave him the Holy Spirit. Boom, they're one of yours. Verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. The Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us. He's the one that advocates for us. He reminds us of things. When I am reading the Word and things come alive as I'm reading the Word, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in me doing it. That's why... Someone who's not a follower of Jesus can read the Word of God and not get anything out of it. We need the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, These things, these are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The, the things are the mystery and the wisdom of God. Okay? The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Okay? How cool is that, right? The Spirit searches the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows God's, the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. How do we know the thoughts of God? Through the Spirit. You can know the thoughts of God through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit searches the hearts and the minds of God. The Holy Spirit is in you and communicates to your spirit so that you can know. Verse 13. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. Four, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How crazy is that? Right? I have the mind of Christ. Not because of anything have I done, but because Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is now in me. He's not just with us. He's within us. The Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. He is our intercessor. 
He is the one who speaks to us the things of God. He gives us understanding of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so He has all the same characteristics of God the Father and God the Son. He's eternal. He's all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. The Holy Spirit is God within us. And He empowers us to do what God has called us to do. He gives us gifts so that we can do the work that God has given us to do. Sometimes it's easy to think that the disciples were really blessed because they got to hang out with Jesus. And yes, they were really blessed. But how blessed are we because the Holy Spirit is within us. So as we wrap up today, now what does it mean for you that God dwells within you? What does that mean? How does that impact your life on a day-to-day basis? To know that not only is God with you, He is within you. Another question for you to think about. Emmanuel, God with us, God within us, we have the Holy Spirit within us. What are the barriers that might be keeping you from moving towards God? He's already moved towards you. He's already there. Are there any barriers that are hindering you from moving towards God? Are you actively seeking the presence of God? Are you making space for Him in your thoughts, in your actions, in your decisions? Or is he just an add-on? This, this is why around here we, we emphasize the spiritual disciplines or the spiritual practices so much. Because the way for us to move towards God, there, there's many ways, but there's, the way to move towards God is by reading your Bible. It's by prayer. It's by silence and solitude. It, you, you can't hear the Spirit speak if you've got tons of noise and activity going around you all the time. Get, get out. Get out by yourself. Go for a long, quiet walk in the woods. Serving others. Generosity. Fasting. We, we emphasize those things, not because there are a list of things you have to do, and if you're going to be a good Christian, you do these things. No, it's recognizing that Emmanuel, God is with us, and not only is God with us, God is in us through the Holy Spirit, so what am I going to do to move towards Him? He's already picked up the phone and called. Am I going to answer? 
goal is me moving towards God. He's already moved into my neighborhood. He's already inside me. Now it's up to me. Let's pray. Mm, Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus as a little baby. Thank you for calling him Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for moving towards us. I pray right now, Father, that um, you would speak to each person in this room. Reveal to them any barrier that is in the way of them moving towards you. Show that to them right now. And that you would give them just one or two steps that they can do to remove that barrier and move towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.